Welcome back to Get to the Point. I'm Jody Leone here with Sean Anderson, and we have a ton to talk about here in the wonderful state of Rhode Island. Sean is joining us over the phones as he has been in the state of Virginia recently, but he might be making an appearance soon in the next few weeks. We do know for sure he'll be back for training camp, which starts in the beginning of August, but we're going to skip all the back and forth talking. We're going to get right to everything that everyone else is talking about right now. NBA free agency. LeBron James decided to break the mold and go against what a lot of people thought he should have done, and he also went along with what a lot of people wanted him to do, which was signing with the Los Angeles Lakers. This inevitably led to a bunch of other moves, which I had predicted. I said that wherever he goes is greatly going to impact the destinations of other players. And the biggest one that happened was the Golden State Warriors last night decided to bring in and sign Boogie Cousins, DeMarcus Cousins, to a one-year $5.3 million deal. And frankly, in my opinion, I think that absolutely ruined free agency. I don't know about you. It ruined the NBA for me. You know, it didn't ruin the NBA as much as... LeBron hurt hurt me seeing him make a complete lateral move to the Lakers. It it doesn't that move perturbs me in many ways, but the the Boogie Cousins trade just made me incredibly angry. It made me just mad and sick to my core. Uh, I just think it was it was incredibly not vile but and not low class. I'm looking for the synonym, but it was almost disrespectful to the sport and the game that he plays where he is the gritty guy you know where he he's on his own he's against the whole league and the organization and all that and then it was funny in 2015 the exact day when Kevin Durant uh, went to Golden State Boogie Cousins tweeted out uh, grass emoji snake emoji grass emoji oh my god so I think that's really ironic to see what happened and it, it, I feel more bad for the New Orleans organization, seeing how much Anthony Davis cared. Like uh, I know you you saw the tweet of uh, Anthony Davis uh, wearing yeah Demarcus Cousins jersey during the All Star game, which he would have been a part of if he had not torn his Achilles and not been able to play. So it's it just doesn't seem like the highest integrity move, and it also I think you agree with me now on this. I know other people do. It diminishes the rings for the Warriors. I feel. I feel like, like it, it. The value of the rings don't have as much. I agree with you on that point. I think the one overall theme that comes along with this is that the sport of professional basketball, not college basketball, because that's very different, but the sport of professional basketball is now an absolute joke. I tweeted this out yesterday. And I said, I'm done watching the NBA. All my focus going to hockey. And, you know, I'd kind of been a little bit against watching a ton of hockey because I like watching the Devils play and I'm not a fan. I'm, I'm, I like watching other games, but I was more preferred to watching Devils games and I'd catch a basketball game here and there. But I'm done with that. I'm going to watch only hockey. I'm sick of watching basketball. The, the, the sport of basketball is a joke, like I said. You've got grown men like Kevin Durant. And then also, I don't even care what his name is because I forget the uh, GM from the 76ers who have to create Twitter accounts. Ainge. Danny yeah, Dan- Ainge. No, it wasn't Danny Ainge. Uh, that's the Celtics. Um, I've- oh, that was, oh, excuse me. Um, but they have to create Twitter accounts 
in order to talk negatively not only to the fans and then also to deal with talking that's coming from the fans that's that's in, in their direction but in a in like overall from all that is being able to badmouth their own organization that is the most childish thing I've ever seen you will never see that in any other sport but yeah, also Joe. to also Joe. to add on to that sorry I don't mean to cut you off also to add on to it now we got LeBron leaving so every single piece of talent is now on the west coast there are maybe three competitive teams on the east coast but not a single one of them have a shot of making it to the NBA finals the final thing that makes the whole thing a giant steaming pile of crap is that DeMarcus Cousins who is an all-star and also I believe he's a two-time all-NBA player great power forward and, and also a great center can play anywhere they need him to is now on a team that has five all-stars that has won two straight championships and I believe has appeared in this four straight Four straight, in, one, three, the last four. In in no other sport would that happen. No other sport. There is plenty of opportunities in all the other sports for some other team to rise from the bottom and somehow squeak their way in the playoffs and make a run. We see it in the NFL all the time. These rookies can really ignite a team and the opportunities that they have. Same thing in hockey. We can see a huge jump from where they were. Same thing. Baseball is a little bit different, but we still do see surprise teams here and there because it's such a long season but basketball i'm sorry but i'm done i can't watch it anymore i don't know about you joe I, you make every point i agree with that you just made except for the twitter account points i actually give a little more leeway to these to these executives and players that make the fake twitters really if that's their, if that's their way of venting out at a whole bunch of incessant sports fans all day that are just coming for their heads and I mean, imagine if you were in their place and, and all day, every day, people are just trashing you and because they think they can do a better job than you when you're the hired professional. All right. You, know? okay, you wouldn't want to try and strike back. You wouldn't, you wouldn't want to, at least in your own way, get some type of therapeutic release from the, the rubes and boobs of the world just, just coming after you all day. Just because I want to do that doesn't mean I should. And, you know, as both of us know, we're both going to be a part of the media. We're going to be sports media personalities, hopefully at the biggest level that we can, which means that we're going to have a ton of people coming at our heads. And, you know, even having, I, I published my first article of two weeks ago, and literally within minutes of me posting it, someone told me I had no clue what I was talking about. Now, I would have loved to have said something to this guy. I would have loved to have told him, you're an idiot, just because of he said that I was wrong for saying Baker Mayfield had poor arm strength. And he he came up with some weird fact about how he had um, about how he had the second highest ball velocity. But ball velocity does not particularly go in unison with arm strength to some extent. I'm not going to break that down entirely. But I 100% wanted to, to talk smack right back to this guy. But I can't. I can't. Because the minute you start letting the people that troll you is the minute that you lose credibility. I understand that they they obviously professional athletes have a little bit more leeway, but they no one should be doing that. I feel like if you're a grown man and adult, like why don't we see that in the NFL and the NHL or the MLB? Why does nobody else do that? Because basketball is an egocentric sport. Yes, thank you. Why? Thank you. I mean, that's how the league is built. It's built on superstars, not teams. All right, that's a, that, that's exactly I mean, that's what I was why. trying to get at. That's why personal attacks go so much farther in the NBA rather than in the NFL, NHL. You see more more team team based attacks on social media. 
Whereas the NBA, because it's so egotistical and the personalities are what the, the league sells, that's why it's uh, you see players getting more defensive and you see executives getting more defensive. I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I just feel, in general, I mean, we're not going to debate burner accounts because it's, it's a little bit old news, but I just, I think in general... I think that if you're a professional and you represent organization, like you said, and you represent the league, you shouldn't be wasting your time or even feel the need to waste your time with some dude that's probably some from some small town that has like an iPhone 4 that's on Twitter telling you you suck. I, I just, I, I feel like you should be better than that. You should rest on your own laurels and achievements. Yeah, but it must just feel good to just, you know... <sighs> Demolish them, even you know. Even prove that on the court. Prove that on the court. Prove everyone yeah, wrong can't on the court. Prove it on the court because they're not a professional athlete, Joe. That's what I'm saying. It's just therapeutic. It's All just right. like a vent. All right. You know, it's the whole write an angry letter, but don't send it. It's a it's a whole new version of this. Make an anonymous Twitter. Get it out. No one knows it's you. All right. Well, I guess the lesson to be learned is don't forget to switch out of the account before you post something stupid. Yeah. Don't get caught. <laughs> they, they're old people, Joe, not like us. We're a lot more tech savvy. Yeah, I, I bet Kevin Durant doesn't even know how to use his phone. Let's be real. <laughs> you seen his old MySpace page? No, but I've seen some of his old tweets. They're hilarious. Yeah, his old tweets are oh, great. His old God. MySpace is great. Oh, it's so yeah. He he seems like such a dork, but <laughs> we don't we don't need to break that down. <laughs> I, as much as I'd love to talk NBA the whole time, but I'm just, I'm sick of it. I, I really don't want to have to talk about it anymore. The day that there is more disparity in the league, I will go back to watching it. Hopefully, once all these Warriors players are too old to stick together, I will actually watch it. But I'm I'm just done. I'm, I'm how done. Do you, how do you feel about other NBA players reacting to something like this? Uh, in what context? Uh, like, uh, I know Damian Le- or CJ McCollum said, just woke up from a nap, just saw this news, a boogie, call me. <laughs> and other, yeah, it's just, how do you, how do you feel like their reactions are? Do you, I, it almost seems like they've given up also. It's crazy. Like, they're just, it's just like, why even play? Just from some of the social media reactions. I, I completely agree with that. It's almost, it's almost as if the only way you can win is coaxing and persuading other really huge name players to sign with them. Cuz like right now beyond the Warriors, we don't have a, we have one favorite to win the finals and then we have four other teams like the Lakers, the Thunder, the Rockets, uh you could argue the Timberwolves can contend and make the playoffs. But they're probably not going to be, beat the Warriors. So I don't blame them for, for giving up. I've given up. I think most fans have given up. I, yeah. I just, uh, I, can't, I can't stand it. I can't stand it's, I want competitiveness. It's just not going to be a competitive season. And Nick Wright tweeted it out best yesterday. He said, obviously the sport is a business, but the essence of sports, you know, fans outside of these markets, it's, you know, outside of the Warriors – They'd like to at least see some competition. Like, sports is based on competition. Yeah, it sells tickets 100%. That's the whole beauty of it is the competing, not just to see a, a bulldozer. Yep, 100%. I, 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 I'm just 
I don't know. I can't. I can't. I can't deal with it anymore. I'd I'd rather watch other sports. It's all just be, all because LeBron is so great, man. I wouldn't say that's the reason, but <laughs> LeBron drove a seventy-three and nine team into acquiring five superstars. I guess it's a fair point. And getting Kevin Durant. Yeah. I I but I wouldn't say that's completely driven by him, because. He's struggled. Oh, no. He struggled on yep. his. He has struggled on his own. I do think that he's obviously a huge presence, but I think that was just the Warriors being, being not greedy, but taking their their goals to an obnoxious level. That's that was uh, in reference to the Kevin Durant trade. What was? Oh, wait. You mean signing? To, to sign Kevin oh Durant. okay okay and then then they just continued they didn't it. trade for him they signed him or, yeah yeah signed him um I saw a tweet I forget who it was but they basically said the current state of the NBA that we have now is all a result for, of LeBron leaving and going to the Heat it's all a result of that no 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 you don't think so you don't think that that didn't lead to a almost a tidal wave, like a domino effect for all these other teams thinking, all right, well, if they can pin three superstars together on one team and if the salary cap's slowly going up and we've got these supermax contracts to use, why don't we go out and do that on our own? And if they also did need more tanking. If Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Rajon Rondo, and Paul Pierce didn't all get together okay. on the side. That's a good point. Well, Rondo joined the technically joined the party a little bit later, though, because I believe he was drafted as like a later pick when they were already doing well and contending. But I'm just saying, you get a super team like that, it's a domino effect. I just miss that. I miss watching basketball and having a team like that Lakers team that played the Celtics. I think was it 08. Yeah. And it was pretty much all Kobe. He had good players around him. Don't get me wrong, but. That team was probably not that much better than the Cavs team we saw in the final this year. And that's why Kobe garners so much respect. Because yeah. even though he's had semi-super teams, he's stayed with the one organization and done it on his own. And athletes that can do that for their own city for the whole lifetimes are, are held in higher regard than those that had to leave a city and go win a championship there uh, as drawn to the comparison of, sorry for the homer call, but Alex Ovechkin and Kevin Durant. Yeah. Uh, there was film, I don't know if you saw this, of the celebrations after the championship and how emotional Ovechkin was compared to how mo- emotional Kevin Durant was. Yeah, Kevin Durant looked like he just had it handed to him. Yeah, and it was night and day. And maybe that, that is a bit, maybe that is his persona a little, the aloof guy, you know. But it, it, I don't think it means as much if you don't do it from where you started and you can build it up and you can work and work and work and then get to get to the big payoff. And that's why Lakers fans, when Kobe won his, I, I'd say his last title with the Lakers, they were deeming him the god mm-hmm. because he did it for them post-Shaq. Yeah, one, one big knock on the Warriors team I felt this season from a lot of, a lot of fans, I kept hearing them calling into a lot of radio stations saying, they hate watching them because they look like they're aloof. Like they don't even care because they think that they're just going to win. They don't, they, they almost, it's not even like a fun kind of like, Oh, we're going to, you know, get your face in because we know we're going to win. It's like a, 
all right, we're just going to be really casual about this. We're probably still going to score 120 points on you. So that means you're probably going to have to score 130 if you want to win. It just it didn't seem like there was any competitive spirit amongst that unit. And I think it's going to be a lot worse, a lot worse next season. Oh, it definitely will. I mean, you're bringing in Boogie Cousins, who averaged uh, who averages 29 points over his whole career yeah. per game. 29 points a game, and you're bringing him in with other guys that average plus uh, – got like four other guys on the team. Mm-hmm. You have four starters on the team that average 20-plus points a game. You also have five people on the court that you can, that can shoot three-pointers at a consistent clip. That's that's the probably the scariest part about the whole thing. No, it's just gross. Yeah. It's gross for the sport. And I keep talking about it and I was I feel like I was being more mature in the beginning of the conversation, but now <laughs> I'm getting as as mad as I was last night when I originally got the news and had to walk out of the room and go into my backyard and take a 10-minute breather. Yeah, it was actually kind of funny. I was doing camera and I I texted you and I, I like I I didn't really supply any context. And, and I said, oh, we're going to talk a lot of basketball tomorrow. And you're like, I'm down. And then you're like, all you said was, wait, what? Because <laughs> it, it did come out a little bit delayed. But I thought that was funny, though, that it took you – like you didn't really know what I – you thought I was almost joking with you, it seemed like. Yeah, I was uh, I, I was live-tweeting the Nats game, and then I just get the notification, and I drop my phone, and I walk outside. <laughs> I was so livid with the sport and DeMarcus Cousins. Pop probably a little because i wanted him to come to dc and i thought he would have paired well with john wall as i stated in the last podcast yeah but it was past that it was past just a a a move that is incomprehensible you know he's making he's making twice the league's veteran minimum in golden state all right well as much as i'm sure that we could gripe about the current climate of the nba we're going to go back to our rankings and we're going to stop talking about this disgusting, atrocious, abominable, and absolutely repugnant situation that is occurring in the NBA. We're going to start talking some football because we love talking football. And we're going to go back to what we were doing. If, if anybody remembers, we were breaking down our top five positional players who are going to finish as the best in 2018, who contribute the most and help their teams out the most for their units. And today we're talking about a little bit different. It's a little bit of a different discussion because we were talking skill players the last few weeks, and now we're talking offensive tackles. It's a much different discussion, especially because Sean is very much so in, not so much, I wouldn't say an expert, but I do give Sean credit. He knows a lot about offensive linemen. He probably knows a lot more about this than me. But here are our top fives that we have. Mine is Tyron Smith, David Bakatiri. Did I say that right? Bakhtiari. Bakhtiari, my apologies. Lane Johnson, Taylor Lewan, and Ronnie Stanley. And Sean has Tyron Smith, Trent Williams, Taylor Lewan, Bakhtiari. Wait, say it again. David Bakhtiari. Bakhtiari. Uh, he, the way it's spelled is a lot different than the way it's pronounced. And Lane Johnson. So, of your list... Who do you think has to be on this without a doubt? And I could probably guess who you're going to say. First of all, it's Tyron Smith, and I'm going to get back to this. But in what world do you not have Trent Williams in a top five tackle? In what world? I I, I have him as my sixth guy. That's my only reason. 
I have him as my sixth guy. I just I I was debating between him and Ronnie Ronnie Stanley, and I decided to go with Ronnie Stanley because I think Ronnie Stanley is starting to develop and grow. Like there's a lot I'm going to talk about it later, but there's a lot of good young tackles that are starting to to grow and develop that we've seen over the past few draft classes, and I just get a little bit more excited over watching them than I do watching Trent Williams. Is it because Ronnie Stanley went to Notre Dame? No, that's not why particularly. I think Ronnie Stanley's slowly getting better. He's probably going to be one of the better ones out of this young young crop that we have coming up. Do you favor Ronnie Stanley over Jack Conklin because Ronnie Stanley went to Notre Dame? Ooh. Mm. That was another tough decision I had to make. I had I had Conklin in. I was trying to, trying to get a little bit more right tackles on here. I didn't want to stickly, just stick to left tackles. I wanted to be able to talk about it a little bit more, but I was I was debating between um, putting Conklin on there too. There is honestly, a, it's not like other position groups where there's there's can be some disparity. I just I feel like there's a lot of there are some really good tackles in this league. No, there definitely are, and I'll just revert. Uh, if you don't have Trent Williams on it, then mm. I, I I don't know I don't know what you're doing because he is so physically dominant on the field, not only in pass blocking but running block run blocking in space, and I I just feel like you don't understand the fear that he puts in opposing defenses when they see him running around on screens for Chris Thompson okay. and mauling people. But to get back to your question, to get back to the point, uh, Tyron Smith is the one tackle that needs to be on this list until his retirement. Why is that? He is just the most technically sound offensive tackle that you will ever see. He has the most... It, it, it's textbook. Like, they could... If they were to write an offensive line textbook, it would be strictly on him. You know, some people would ask, why isn't Joe Thomas on the online textbook? Well, that's because he has a very different uh, kick step that not a lot of people do, but he's done it so long and he's mastered it. It, it. It's like a his kick step is equivalent to that of a submarine pitcher, like an elite submarine pitcher. Like, mm-hmm. not everybody can replicate it, but it's still incredibly effective. But Tyron Smith is just technically proficient. I think he has the strongest hands in the game. He has the best balance in the game. I think he's going to bounce back from the injuries of last year incredibly well. Uh, I just project him having a stellar season. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. I think it's hard not to put Smith on there, especially considering how dominant he's been since an early early time in his career, since he first joined the league. And a lot of that comes with also the unit around him. He, he is very much the anchor of this offensive line, amongst other guys that are actually very, very good players in this league. Uh, you've got Travis Frederick and Zach Martin, who are top three, probably, at their position groups. But I, I completely agree on that. Tyron Smith, without a doubt, has to be on this list. Who do you think is your most shocking? Like, Who's going to be a guy, although you have a pretty safe list, but who do you think it kind of breaks the mold? I would say Lane Johnson, just because he's still pretty young and that he's a right tackle. Uh, it, it just, But it, it's becoming in the league more commonplace for right tackles to have to be as good as pass blockers as the left tackles, given that some of the speedier rushers come off the right side. Like Von Miller rushes off the right side. Vic Beasley rushes off the right side. So he, he proved this last year that he has the ability to be a big mauler in the run game and be incredibly gifted in the pass, pass protection game. So... It's just because he's still pretty young, and uh, a lot of people overlook that one really flashy play he had against uh, Von Miller and say, oh, well, he wasn't really that good. But 
I really think he is going to be a, a dominant tackle in the league. And seeing what he could do on the right side, I think once Jason Peters eventually retires, he could take over on the left side, no problem. A random tangent here. Right in the middle of you talking, I get a notification that says Facebook friend suggestions, and it, your name came up. That it, That is just absolutely bizarre. Like, the... The stuff that we learned in one of our classes talking about how Facebook has access to our microphones, I just think that's beyond creepy that we're in the middle of a conversation. It's sitting here suggesting that I friend you on Facebook. But uh, my guy that I think is a little bit more of a shock, I I always try to, when I do these lists, I always try to think of one guy on here that maybe wasn't there the previous season, that wasn't there in 2017, but is going to push his way into the top five and mine's just Ronnie Stanley I, I I feel like that he's slowly taking over and being one of the better guys on this line obviously you got Marshall Yonda there and he's doing a good job of helping him grow he's another guy that's a right tackle I think I have I have two right tackles on this list right now um you know just in general I feel like they have a really good run uh run scheme they run a lot of zone runs in Baltimore and you need good and athletic offensive linemen Stanley might not be the most athletic guy, but one of the things that he was given a lot of credit for when he was coming out of Notre Dame, and I know you're going to give me, you were giving me a hard time because I decided to, to pick him because he's from Notre Dame. But one of the biggest things that he got coming out of Notre Dame was his athleticism and his fluidity. He's not exactly the meanest guy that you're going to, you're going to have at the right tackle position. There's a lot meaner guys in the league, but he's a good mover and he has, he has very good leverage also at the same time. I do like uh, he, that he's not a, a Donald Penn-esque tackle. Yeah, he he is pretty lean. He does look good when he when he's playing the game, and it it it, it amazes me that that Donald Penn is still in the league. I really like how he plays, but he is just something else when you see him in that tight jersey. Yeah, he you you can really tell that he's starting to get to that point where he's falling off, but he's still he's still an absolute monster when he plays. He's a little top heavy though. That's my that's my one knock on him. On Penn? Yeah. Oh yeah, no doubt. Like you can tell that his frame, like all of his weight isn't well, not all of it, but most of his weight is in his upper body, and usually you want the opposite for a good offensive lineman. You know, they they come in all different shapes and sizes. Yeah. But I'm just I'm just you know pulling Penn's leg. Yeah. Not like he'll ever not like he'll ever hear this. And it's not like I'll ever want to do a, a one-on-one with Donald Penn, but uh, <laughs> just uh, hey, you never know. <laughs> no, that's 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 fun stuff. That's fun. Yeah. All right. Next question: Who do you think is going to sneak sneak their way into the mix? That's maybe your sixth guy that is going to be a big riser going forward. Hmm. Can I have? Uh, no, no, no. I, I'm going to go with Conklin. I really do think Conklin is okay. going to be next. I wanted to say Dwayne Brown, but the Seahawks are such a mess. I, I can't put any eggs in that basket. You're right. Let, uh, me, let me rephrase that question. Who do you think that wasn't really in the discussion last year is going to push their way into the top ten? Wasn't really in the discussion. I know who my guy is, and I think that's uh, Ryan Ramchek from the Saints. He was oh, yeah. he was very very highly talked about as being a good rookie tackle. He still wasn't there yet. There were a lot of things that he needed to work on, but he was really a key piece on that offensive line. Surprisingly, 
despite all the knocks that came on him out of the draft. I actually might have to agree with you with Ramchek. I mean, everyone wants to give all the credit to, to Ingram and Kamara, but yeah. it, it's, I mean, him being on that offensive line definitely helped in a lot of ways. So I, I guess I think we can agree on this, on Ramchek being the, the next up. Yeah, 100%. That is a very sneaky offensive line. You have Andrews Pete, who isn't great, but he has slowly developed into a pretty good offensive lineman after being drafted a few years ago. And like we said, we got Ramchek. And then who else is along that line? Max Unger. Yeah, Max Unger's playing center. And then who else am I missing? Uh, that's, that's all I got right now. That's all I, I got. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the other two guys are really anybody big. But last question that we're going to talk about is what rookie tackle do you think can contend? Now, I know who we're going to have for guards next week, but out of the tackles that we're taking, who do you think? So somebody that might you might pop up or be in the discussion, like Mike McGlinchey, who got taken by the 49ers. You got Colton Miller, who is now with the Raiders. I'm just trying to think who else was taken. Um, Connor Williams, but he's probably going to get bumped into, into guard. Ragnow, who could, has been playing guard recently, but also could see himself bumped out to tackle. Yeah, Ragnow's 6'5". Yeah. He's short he arms, to, though. That's the big problem. Yeah, I, I'm probably going to have to go with McGlinchey. Okay. Just because he's in uh, San Francisco, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, So I think him working with uh, Stanley or Joe Staley in San Francisco, it's good to have that veteran uh, Pro Bowl leadership to help him learn the intricacies of the game. So I think he's going to do very well. But I could also see Colton Miller doing well also, given that Mike Tice is the offensive uh, offensive line coach there at, at, at Oakland. Am I am I wrong about Tice, or is he in L.A.? Uh, I think you're right. I think you're right. But I, I do – I was actually going to say McGlinchey, but looking at him and Miller, a lot of people are really quick to criticize them just because they're very, very tall, very, very lean – and not so good at, at having good leverage and sinking into their hips, but they are athletic. They are pretty fluid, and they, that the one that those are the main similarities between the both of them. McGlinchey, on the other hand, his biggest struggles were against speed rushers, and he really, really struggled. But the thing with McGlinchey is he played a majority of left tackle when he was at Notre Dame, and now he is going to be playing right tackle, and he's also getting the opportunity, like you said, to learn from Staley, and he's not going to be having the pressure of a number one pass rusher every single week yeah it, it might be McGlinchey but him and Miller are so, are so similar it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if either one was in the top two yeah I was reading and it's obviously it's obviously way too early to get any assumption on how far along they are because they're yet to even put the pads on but I was reading some rookie reviews so far and how they've looked in, in in minicamp and how they're looking going into training camp and they both of them have been talked about very highly which is very surprising yeah I, I'm, I'm excited to see how they do but I'm still not as excited to see how the top five tackles will do like the, I'm still more I'm not as invested in the rookies as I am in just the elite offensive linemen in the league well it's going to be interesting to see how our analysis turns out we've actually been over the past few weeks when we've talked about some other things, our analysis has come along pretty well, but we'll see how things end up turning out for our predictions going forward in the 2018 season. This was this week's edition of Get to the Point. I'm Joe DeLeon, and talking with me, as always, is the 
wonderful and illustrious Sean Anderson, who is joining me from the state of Virginia. Be sure to tune in next Tuesday. We'll be coming out around 12 o'clock like we have been doing. But like I said, thank you for tuning in. Check us out on social media at GTT Podcast. That is all we have for you at Get to the Point.